welcome to the Whiskey Sisters podcast. I am Inga Larissa. And I am Jennifer Rose. Join our weekly adventures as we rock the whiskey world. We will be bringing you whiskey-related news and gossip, discussing latest bottle releases, and of course, tasting our way through delicious drams. We'll be hosting expert guests, hitting the road to visit some Scottish distilleries, and let's not forget dropping in some cheeky whiskey facts. You're listening to Whiskey Sisters, the podcast. This week, we will feature our last stop on Whiskey Sisters Whiskey Triangle Tour to Ardnamurchan Distillery. That was quite the adventure, as on the day of the planned visit, the ferry from Tobermory was cancelled. Ah, it was a nightmare. We nearly missed it. I know, we were crying into our whiskey tumblers. <laughs> but luckily, the ferry was back on the next day and we could do a massive detour on the way to the Edinburgh airport and visit the distillery. So we were coming from Mull, so it was a bit tricky one, but we managed. Yeah. But unfortunately, we didn't have time to sample, but they kindly gifted us a range of whiskies to take home. Yes! Love you, Ardna Markin. And we're so, we're, because we were so excited to go, weren't we? It just yeah, was just the cherry to... on the cake to get there. Exactly. And it was totally worth it. And it, it was a shame that we couldn't spend more time there, but it was still worth the detour for sure. Absolutely. But before we dive deeper into the story of the distillery and tell you about their juicy drams, let's see what's been happening in the whiskey world lately. Stick your nose in it. So Speyside-based Glen Farkless Distillery was the victim of a break-in just recently, which saw thieves steal more than £100,000 worth of rare whiskies. Boo! Uh, so bad. Terrible. Mm. A post was published on Instagram and it said that the thieves clearly knew what they wanted and they smashed the cabinets, cleared out all the older and most valuable family casks. The family cask is a collection of the distiller's finest single casks with vintages from every year since 1954. Very special. So horrendous, Inca, isn't it? You can't just. What is that about? It's just like crazy greed, isn't it? And just, you know, irreplaceable, I'm guessing. And so much history. And just like we talk all the time, don't we, about all the effort and um, the thought and the magic that goes into the creation of whiskey and the respect that it's due. And this is like the ultimate disrespect, really, isn't it? Definitely. Do you think that's like a a dodgy underworld private collector will just like have that? Because you're not selling that on eBay, right? That's the thing. That's what I was just wondering, because it's really hard to sell to anyone unless it's very, you know, black market or unless someone is just doing it out of spite, which would be even worse, probably. Worse. Because no one (gasps) would even drink it. The the dodgy dark web. Oh, we don't want to think about it, but really awful. In other news, acclaimed whiskey maker Billy Walker is celebrating his 50-year tenure in the Scotch industry with a limited edition of the Glenallachie single malts. He seems such a cool guy, actually. I would love for us to have Billy Walker on as a guest. Mm -hmm. To mark this impressive milestone, Walker is releasing a celebratory collection of Glenallachie single malts, the past, present and future series. The first instalment in the limited edition series is the Glenallachie Billy Walker 50th anniversary past edition and the first whiskey is sherry matured in a 16 year old single malt. This bottling represents Walker's past when he made a name for himself by releasing heavily sherried expressions to great acclaim, with many Scotch fans believing he played an instrumental role in developing this style category. Mm. Oh, all about the sherry bombs. Yeah. Do you remember when Stuart Buchanan, um, global brand ambassador for Benriach, 
Glenn Glasser and Glenn Jornick was on, he was talking about learning from Billy Walker, wasn't yeah. he? Mm-hmm. And like some of the cool things like he had taught him. Yeah. You know, just made me think of that there. So Walker has um, been at the helm of the Glenallochy for almost five years, having previously led an expansive career across numerous household names, brands and companies, including Ballantines, Deanston, Tobermory, and as I've just mentioned, Benria, yeah. Glen, Glendronach and Glenglasa. Yeah. Oh, I definitely would like to sample some of these whiskies. I wonder how pricey they'll be. I yeah. don't imagine they're your pocket money whiskies. Yeah, but then at the same time, you know, you want to celebrate as a milestone, as a big thing, but then do you want want it to be that special that no, like only selected few can try them? You know what I mean? I know. Like you at want- the same time, wouldn't you want to share the love Obviously, he loves the industry. He's worked for so long, yeah. so you would want to share it with everyone. So, I don't know. Like, I would like to think that they would have some reasonably priced. Some of, yeah, some kind of more affordable options. That would be yeah. good. Whiskey Sisters on tour. Legal distilling was unknown on the remote Anamakan Peninsula until the independent bottler Adelphi opened its distillery there in 2014. Although this is not the first distillery to bear the Adelphi name. The original was built in Glasgow on the banks of the River Clyde. I think it's called Loch Catrine Adelphi oh, Distillery. Okay. Um, yeah, that was in 1826 and it was passed into the hands of Archibald Walker in 1880. And by 1887, it was producing over 500,000 gallons a year of both malt and grain whiskey, making it one of the largest distilleries in Scotland. And the distillery was sold in 1903. The is now where Glasgow's central mosque stands. I know exactly where that is. No way, I didn't know that's what it was at, at that site. Yeah, actually, there was some sort of accident as well uh, just before they closed. I think one of the washbacks or something just kind of collapsed and there was oh. like loads of liquid everywhere and stuff. And Nightmare. Archibald Walker's great-grandson, Jamie, started Adelphi as an independent bottler in 1993. Its current owners bought the firm in 2004. Do you know, it seems like these distilleries pass through many owners through the years, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. But this new distillery gets its name from the surrounding Ardnamurchan Peninsula. In 2012, planning permission for the distillery was granted and first ground was broken in 2013. Construction continued through 2013 and into the new year until Ardnamurchan Distillery was officially opened on the 25th of July 2014. And from the outset, the team had traceability, sustainability and transparency as key principles. Go them. Heat to power the distillery comes from a biomass boiler using timber from the local estate and the electricity is generated from a hydroelectricity unit in the river. And they they were even awarded the prize of Sustainable Distillery of the Year in 2020. That's brilliant, isn't it? Such an achievement. Don't you think, Inca, that the part of the world it's in, it's in quite rugged West Coast landscape but it's so striking so stunning isn't it mm. and we did the drive from Colhoun on the mainland all the way down this winding peninsula and it's just like quite spectacular isn't it yeah the drive was a bit you know a bit of a pain because the roads were so windy kind of windy but, yeah oh it was 
you know, it was so beautiful. And obviously that, that's kind of good that it was so windy. So you had to take your time so you can admire yeah. the views. Even yeah. from the distillery, like the views of Isle of Mal. You know, we were taken kind of up the hill, weren't we, to where the warehouses were and the absolutely right, you know, beautiful, beautiful views. Um, and another thing I like about the distillery is they that their bottles come at fair price points. They basically made for consumers, for everyone to enjoy and not designed to be something that is hard to come by, basically opposite of Macallan, you know, all these yeah. <laughs> special releases. It's, obviously, they have some special releases, but it's not, you know, it doesn't break a bank and there's plenty of it. Absolutely, you know, and I think it, it does make it really inclusive, but doesn't compromise on quality. Mm-hmm, exactly. And it was in 2020 that the first Arnhemak and single malt scotch whiskey was released to the public, which is a 50-50 marriage of peated and unpeated malt whiskey, matured in 65% of ex-bourbon casks and 35% in ex-sherry casks. So I bought myself my first bottle of Ardna Merkin actually on my birthday this year when I went whiskey shopping for my birthday mm-hmm. and I'd been meaning to get a bottle for a while. I just heard so many good things about it. It's a part of the country I'd visited before and I'd heard a few people say like, oh, it's the hottest dram on the market and it also kind of done a little bit of research on cask investment of Ardnamarkin, you know, a number of years ago and my curiosity was piqued. So yeah, um, Mm. really impressive complex for a young whiskey, I would say. Yeah, it's a nice balance of the peat and unpeated because it's subtle, but it's sweet and yeah, it's lovely. I enjoyed it. Do you know what I also enjoyed, Inca, when we went there to visit and David John, DJ, how cool a name is that, (laughs) um, showed us round. Bless him. I think it was his day off as well. It was a Sunday, wasn't it? I know, it was. It was. Like, I felt a bit guilty, but not guilty enough to say don't bother. (laughs) (laughs) But Um, how beautiful was it in the warehouses? Because their casks have got, like different colours on them and everything so it smelled amazing in their warehouses but it was mm-hmm. very pretty to look at as well yeah all like funky colours as well you know purple yeah. lime green and the colours that you wouldn't necessarily expect it was really cool uh, and also just because when you walked up the hill to the warehouses the views even from there oh just so good this is definitely a must visit distillery for any whiskey lover definitely for many reasons and it was such a bummer though that we missed Jenny Carlson because the day before we had planned to meet her and have a bit of a catch-up and that would have been amazing I know I know it would have been nice to meet her as well but you know next time I was going to say it gives us an excuse to go back next time hang out with Jenny learn from her whiskey wisdom and maybe sample even some more drams I know but DJ was awesome too he was dram on fire so obviously, because you had bought the core expression before, you gave me a wee sample, so we tried that. But DJ gave us four different samples when we were at the distillery, which included the Arnamakan Paul Launois. I don't know, Launois? Yeah, I wasn't sure about that. Is that a French name, do you think? Launois? I think it is because of champagne. Anyway, what you said. <laughs> C- uh, CK339, which is a special single cask release. And the four-year-old and then the five-year-old Oloroso, which was released in partnership with McLean and Bruce and was bottled under the Adelphi label rather than Ardemarken. Yeah. He, I get... 
a little bit confused here because I get that Adelphi is an independent bottler, but I still find it a little confusing when they also bottle Ardmark and whiskies under their own label, as well as the distillery name is just kind of like... Just yeah, there. I know exactly what you mean. It can be a bit confusing, can't it? Mm. So let's focus a bit more on the Paul Lanois. I can't even Lanois. remember. Yeah, Lanois. that sounds better. Lanois, yeah. Lanois. Lanois. And the CK339 release. So talking about things maybe being a bit confusing, do you think, well, I think it's quite cool labelling, but do you think the labelling of Ardnamurkin is a bit confusing as well? You know, for example, my signature bottle, the AD10.21.06, is like how that doesn't roll off the tongue. Do you think there's a cooler way of saying that? I found it a little bit confusing as well. I was not necessarily confusing always, but just wondering what are these numbers? And yeah. Obviously, there's always meaning behind them, but no one's ever told us. And because we didn't do the tasting at the distillery, I think that was something we didn't end up talking with DJ. Yeah. So I did a little bit of research. So when it comes to the signature releases, the first number, so in this case, 10, is the month of bottling. Oh, okay. So November. Oh no, October. <laughs> Get it right. <laughs> October. And then second number is 21. So the year of bottling. And the third number, in this case, 06, is the batch reference. Oh, that makes so much sense then. Yeah. And then on the si single cask releases, you know, like the CK339 that we're going to try, the first number is the month it was distilled, and second is the vintage, and third is the cask number. So if we take this one, it's 11, 14, 339. So it's distilled in November 11, and it's from 2014. So that's the vintage. And cask number is 339. Cool. Hmm. Oh, thanks for clarifying that. It kind of makes me think a little bit, you know, of the Scotch Malt Whiskey Society labeling. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's kind of what they do as well, yeah. Anyway, going back to the Paul Lanoir, it's mm. a limited edition single malt matured in ex-bourbon casks before being finished in casks that previously held champagne from Paul Lanoir's vineyard, bottled at 58.7% ABV. Mm, I feel like this is very perfect for the mood that we just spent like I spent two weeks in France he spent a week in France I he's know been there drinking champagne all the time exactly and, you, know. Swagger, you know swaggering around vineyards this is very appropriate isn't yeah, it yeah exactly so okay the whiskey I think the color is very nice bright golden very lovely lovely color yeah really nice lovely golden color the aromas that I got was you know those really kind of tacky bright pinkish red cocktail cherries oh okay or, you know they're like old school or the ones that you get in in a mixed fruit tin those really <laughs> yeah. bright cherries yes so the aroma for me was like that a lot or also it made me think of can't remember the name of it what do you call the cherry cake you know the it's really popular in the uk the one with almonds in it also no. It's quite dark and has cherry mm -hmm. something jam or something in it. Is it Bakewell tart? No, it's no. dark. I can't remember what oh, it's I called. Don't know, it will come to me. But yeah. Anyway, so cherries, cherries, loads of aromas of different uh -huh. types of cherries with chocolate sponge and vanilla. Yeah, really nice vanilla and those chocolatey notes. I agree. And then the palette. Well, first of all, it was kind of funny texture. Like it was quite soft, but dry at the same time. Uh-huh. Yeah. 
a drying mouthfeel. I would agree with that. Yeah. And then there was quite a lot of black pepper also, I think, like a spiciness, mm-hmm. that kind of tingle. Yep. I've got a um, bit of chili spice. Yeah. And then summer berries. But now this time I'm thinking more like strawberries or black currants or something like that on a sponge cake. You know, those summery sponge cakes that yeah. they love in the UK with a little bit of jam and some berries on the top oh, or something yes. like that. yes. And that kind of, I can definitely get that kind of buttery sponge on the palate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and also kind of like a croissant. And I, I don't know, yeah. it's, because we've been to France and I had so many croissants. <laughs> I feel like everything tastes like croissant. <laughs> but it's that lovely buttery soft pastry, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. I had a quick Google while we were chatting. Yeah, it's like black forest cake. You know what I mean? So that's on the aromas I was getting. Oh, well, that makes sense because Cherry Bakewell is very almondy and strong and I didn't get the almondy. So that makes sense. And then the finish was quite woody for me and the dryness came through. This is bottled at 57.8%. And normally we would contemplate, oh, should we add the water just because we're trying the first time and stuff. We failed so many times. This time I decided, no, I'm not doing it. I'm just going to let it sit for a couple of minutes and go back to it with air because that normally does the nice changes that I quite like rather than adding the water so this is what I did and I got oh I found that the mouthfeel was lighter with the air it wasn't quite as the texture was not quite there but also it wasn't that dry that as dry maybe either definitely less spicy more about baking spices vanilla and then also the finish I found it was less woody and became a little bit sweeter. Well it's funny you're saying that about the finish because like yourself great minds and all that I found it although it was a high ABV at 57.8 I find it quite an easy gentle sipper like Mm. you know real really Moorish and I find the finish quite sweet and almost like a kind of vanilla sponge quite a juicy finish. Yeah. I think it's lovely. It's very good. Like I'm, I've been writing notes in this whiskey tasting journal that you got me. And it has a rating system of five stars. So I gave it four stars. Very nice. Well, as you may tell, Inca, I have a bit of a... <clears throat> there might have been a bit too much good living in France. And there might <laughs> yeah. have been some cigars smoked. Because I'm <laughs> feeling a bit rough. And my throat's a bit dodgy. And I think this whiskey's helping soothe it. As always, whiskey is helping all sorts of things. <laughs> so we're so, a fan of this. Yes, for sure. Definitely. You better leave a little bit after your sample for taste also when you're not so croggy. So you can yeah. definitely get the full experience. Yeah, as well. I did that. I was being a bit greedy and pulled, poured in the, the full thing. But I, I, I retreated <laughs> back because I did think that. So... The next one is the one that I, we just talked about, the 11, 14, 339. I don't know. Like, I kind of would like that they have some sort of name. Like, how, what do you do? Just call it Ardnamurkin Cask 339. I know. Edition. I know. It's I don't when know. You, it's when you're kind of trying to chat about it and remember, my memory gets a bit dodgy for all the little numbers. Yeah. I'll need to start going full geek and carrying my tasting notebook <laughs> around with me. So I can yeah. out. What so, do you think of the color in this? I think it's such a lovely color, a bit more rusty. Than the yeah, previous one. A bit rusty, burnt caramel like. So yeah, this one is distilled back in 
2014, the same year as the distiller was founded, and it was matured in single first fill Oloroso sherry butt for seven mm-hmm. years. And once ready, it was bottled at 59.4% ABV, so slightly higher than the previous. Yeah, colour is nice. Even though I've got a bit of a blocked nose and stuff just now, I'm getting really strong aromas from it. And again, all the nice sherried notes, as you would expect, which I love. But you know, it was making me think of, I'm not sure if you've tried it, Inca, I don't know if it's just in the UK, you get this like Jamaica ginger cake. It's quite like a sticky, like kind of dense sponge. It comes in a little like packet Mm. and it's like really juicy and quite strong and you can have it just like sliced or you can have it with butter on it and because I'm quite devilish Ah. I have it with butter on it and I'm getting it's making me think of that on the on the nose Ah. sounds familiar I got a feeling I've tried it but maybe a long time ago well I'll I'll get a wee slice ready for you next time you're here (laughs) fabulous you can rely on me for the sugar um yeah for me it was coffee beans yes very dark chocolates, a bit of that Christmas cake that we talked about and whatnot, some of the other whiskies previously. Mm-hmm, uh, that mm-hmm. kind of dry dry cake and some raisins. On the palate, I think the, the mouthfeel was quite thick. There was texture to it. Yeah, like a, it was kind of mouth coating. Less dried fruit than I was expecting for a for a sherry cask. Mm-hmm. A lot of a cask. And then I got quite a lot like dark chocolate, you know, like dark, quite intense dark chocolate pudding mm-hmm. that when you eat the spoonful, it really coats your mouth with that kind ah. of release, that kind of, you know what I mean? That kind of almost kind of a sharpness to dark chocolate. Yeah. But then because it's pudding, it's kind of soft, kind of gooey, but then it coats your mouth, leaves a little layer, you know? I don't yes. know, just the texture with the chocolate. I don't know. Also, I got quite a lot of red chilies, but in a way that, you know, when you eat something like Thai food and it's quite spicy at first, but then it's just kind of mellows, but still lingers. Yeah, that it's not not overpoweringly spicy. And I, I think that's a really lovely description because the spice mellows quickly for me on the palate. Mm, yeah, but still like that kind of red chili rather than black pepper, at least for me. I want to say luxurious, but I don't think that's a tasting note, but it kind of makes me think of kind of luxurious, opulent, juicy, (laughs) (laughs) baked goods and all the kind of fine things in life. That's very poor tasting notes, but that's what comes to mind when I taste this dram. I was thinking that this kind of, or like I thought this is something you would like. Yes. Based on your previous, you know, the parliament and things like that. I think you're right. As the young people say, this is a bit of me. I don't know if I've used that expression <laughs> correctly. <laughs> so the finis was, for me, it was dryish, a bit nutty, like almonds, uh, malty, still mm. chocolatey. So I found overall this dram was quite chocolatey in different levels of chocolate, but also quite tannin and slightly bitter finish. See, I need to go back to this dram when I'm feeling my full self. Um, I feel it's quite, there's a kind of creaminess for me on the finish. You know, like Mm -hmm. cashew nut is kind of creamy. Yeah. Yeah. It's making me think of that on the finish. Oh, I could drink that all day long. Yeah, I thought you'd like this. But again, I did the same thing with this, even if it's 59.4, I left it, just forgot all about it Mm -hmm. and went back to it. No water nothing because I just can't bear another wasted dram. I know exactly. Um, so I got more on like on the, the aroma, you know, when I said coffee beans, but also dark chocolate. Mm-hmm. I felt like it changed into like a mocha cake, you ah. know, those cakes. And then when the frosting is made with coffee, mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know, that kind of yeah. 
kind of chocolatey, you know. And then on the palate, I was maybe a little bit more, well, like the spiciness was longer. Oh yeah, and on the on the aromas as well, it was a bit more medley of dried fruits because I was getting worried that this is oloroso, but there's no dry, like your normal ah, sherry stuff. Yes. So I felt the air definitely helped to bring those. And lovely to recognise those changes, you know, allowing the air in. Yeah. Don't you think, Inca, if this was a blind tasting, I would have guessed the age was much higher. Yeah, for sure. Exactly. Yeah. Isn't yeah. it? It's like mature, full-bodied, sexy, sexy, sherry something, something. It's so yeah. nice. That's a very good point, actually. Yeah, you could easily think that it's, I don't know, 12, 15 or something even. Yes. I'm really excited by Ardna Markin's jams. And, you know, I remember DJ telling us all the different, like, cask finishes and really quite innovative, different, you know, red wine, white wine, champagne, so many different finishes. And Again, I would forget how relatively young the distillery is, all it has to offer. Exactly. Yeah. I have to say, I definitely enjoyed these two more than the the signature. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. But then, you know, again, I guess these are those funky casks that they have. These are the more limited editions, but still, I think there was quite a few bottles of the champagne cask and stuff. So you can, I don't know if you can still find them. Hopefully you can, because it's totally worth it. Definitely. And I think definitely a good excuse for us to go back because our flying visit, we could go and luxuriate at Ardemarkin for much longer. Whiskey fact or whiskey fiction? So it's time for Whiskey Sisters Whiskey Fact or Whiskey Fiction. Mixing (laughs) things up again a little bit for you guys. (laughs) So last time I lost pretty badly. Embarrassing. (laughs) Um, So I have decided that you should answer my questions first time around before you get the stage to embarrass me. Right, let's see if we can get a a one-all situation. Let's see what you've got, Inca. Okay. Whiskey fact of whiskey fiction. John Jameson, the founder of Jameson's Irish Whiskey, was Scottish. Whiskey fiction. Ha ha, got ya. (laughs) (laughs) We're not competitive at all. No. Uh, Okay, next. A cooper's apprentice must work with someone for two years before being allowed to tackle their own barrel. Whiskey fact or whiskey fiction? Whiskey fact. Haha, got you again. <laughs> because it's four years, not two. Ah, mm-hmm. uh, oh, four years. Yeah. The apprentices have to work with someone for four years before they can do their own barrel. No Very way. Cool. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Okay. So, last one. Come on, Jane. You can't have like zero out of three. Glenn Fiddick, Glenn Morangi, and McAllen make up one third of the entire single malt whiskey market whiskey fiction okay why do you think so because i think surely not but i have no like scientific rationale for the okay so it's fiction only because it's glenfiddich glenlivet and mccallan that make up to one third Ah. of entire single malt scotch whiskey market so those three (sighs) distillers are like super duper high okay well i saved face there and got one out of three yeah good question (laughs) to trick you (laughs) yeah Whiskey fact or whiskey fiction? Okay, and Calarissa in the hot seat. Bring it. The famous club in Los Angeles, America, Whiskey A Go Go, 
does not have the spelling you would imagine in America. It is spelled whiskey without an E. And this is because the grandfather of the founder is Scottish and they wanted to be associated with Scotch whiskey. Whiskey fact or whiskey fiction? Fiction seems a bit too far-fetched. <laughs> it is whiskey fiction. They, they weren't allowed to spell it with an E because in Los Angeles at the time, you weren't allowed to have an establishment named after alcohol. Hmm. It's not named after alcohol, but then whiskeys. What? Yeah. Yeah. So apparently it was named after whiskey, a go-go, and there was one in Paris. And that was established much earlier. And it took the name from the British novel Whiskey Galore. And I thought that was quite cool. Yeah. Okay. 2012 film by Ken Loach about whiskey features the popular Dr. Bill Lumsden. Whiskey fact or whiskey fiction? Fact. Sorry, Inca. That one is whiskey fiction because the 2012 movie by Ken Loach called Angel Share features whiskey expert Charles McLean. Uh, and it's such a lovely film, I think. Yeah, because I still haven't watched it. <laughs> right, we're going to have a whiskey movie night. It's, a, it's got to be done. You can purchase coasters to sit your drink on made from copper stills at the cost of £500 for six. Whiskey fact or whiskey fiction? Sounds so outrageous that I say it's a fact. Well, I'm being a bit sneaky here, Inka. Oh, you changed it like by a pound. Or <laughs> I've changed it by a little bit. I've got to keep you on your toes, right? Mm, sneaky, sneaky. That's sneaky. why I was doing my little tweaks. Yeah, sneaky bitch. Okay, so you can actually buy a set of six whiskey coasters made from Diageo stills. That is true that you can do that, but they do not cost £500. For a set of six, it costs £2,588. Whoa, what? <laughs> I thought that what you said was outrageous. That's why I thought like, okay, it has to be a fact. How what? crazy is that, isn't it? I know. So these can be found on Mark Littler's website. And it's a set of six coasters made from copper stills from a collection of renowned distilleries. Engineers and coppersmith from Diageo Abercrombie were commissioned to create the ultimate whiskey accessory to commemorate 50 years of Diageo at the Caledonian Road site in Aloha. And the result is this stunning set of whiskey coasters. They're from Lagavulin, Glenkinchy, Dalwinnie, Oban, Talisker and Cragan. Cragganmore, don't know if that's how you see it, and there are an estimated 60 sets only in existence. Uh, for like a perfect gift, Father's Day gift for those who have everything. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> how crazy is that? It's kind of cool, but it's way too expensive. Way too expensive. It's kind of cool if we could afford them, but it's too much. <laughs> so one, one, well done. Well done, us. You've been listening to the Whiskey Sisters podcast. Next week, we will be talking about peat with a guest from Brooklady Distillery. And we will be sampling some heavily peated drums. <laughs> Excited. Jen, praise yourself. Indeed. Pour yourself a peaty dram and join us next Wednesday. Meanwhile, you can keep up to date with all things Whiskey Sisters on our Instagram. And if you don't, why not? Come and join us. We're always up to mischief on that Instagram. And it's at whiskeysisters.podcast, on Twitter at Whiskey Sisters, and Facebook at Whiskey Sisters Podcast. Podcast. From me and my croaky voice, Cheerio Inca. <laughs> Ciao.